just jump into the slipstream of this. I think whether we, as we are gathered here this morning, whether we are young or whether we are old, whether we have a faith or we do not have a faith, maybe you believe in God, maybe you're here and you just do not believe in God. You've just come to see somebody, a friend, a family member go through their baptism. I think there are a few things, three things that we can definitely all agree on. And one is that we were born. And two, we will die. And thirdly, somewhere in the middle, we are going to encounter problems. I think we can all agree on that. And I don't know how it is for you, but I find in my own life that problems are like hurdles. It was the one thing I was good at when I was at school was the hurdles. But you just get over one and you find yourself sprinting towards another one. Sometimes they come like buses, problem after problem. Some problems are very short-lived. You go into it, you come out of it. But there are other problems in life that are like major catastrophes. And they go on for weeks, months, even years sometimes. Because the problem with a problem is you don't know how long you're going to be in it for. The problem with a problem is you don't know how long you're going to endure this heartache, this pain, this unhappiness, this frustration, this anxiousness, this not knowing how it's going to all end up. And although none of us can control what we go through in life, we can control how we go through what we go through in life. And you know this book, the Bible, is full of wisdom and advice on how to approach some of life's greatest challenges. It's why we follow it. It's why we live by it. Contained within the pages of this book are actual factual stories that took place, albeit thousands of years ago, but they were recorded and they were noted down to help set us up to win in our life today. They are stories, they are metaphors and examples on how to make wise decisions. They are there to forewarn us if we take wrong choices or wrong turns. They are there to help us, to lead us, to direct us, to guide us. And one such story is of a guy called Paul when he was shipwrecked. Okay, Paul is this guy, he's known as the Apostle Paul, and he wrote the majority of the New Testament in our Bible. Now, you may be like me and not be an avid sailor in here today, but I'm sure we can all identify with what it is like to feel or to be shipwrecked, to feel like you are without hope, to feel like you are losing everything to feel battered by the storm in your life, to feel like you don't know when a new day is going to dawn, to feel like you are losing everything, to feel like you are never going to come out of this situation. Maybe for you it is not a shipwreck, but maybe for you it is a financial wreck. Maybe for you it is a relational wreck. That marriage is just dissolving, it is falling apart, you're clutching at straws and you just don't know how it's going to go. Maybe for you it's a kid's gone off the rails type of wreck. 
Maybe it is a broken home wreck. Some of you young people in here tonight, you've done your, this morning, you've done your um, entire growing up being divided between two houses, set time at your mum's house, set time at your dad's house, and you feel like it's just been a shipwreck that you've been caught in the middle of. It is, um, uh, what if it's a health wreck that you're going through? You've had a diagnosis and you just don't know which way it's going to go. We can all put our wreck in the gap. Perhaps you're in here today and you've come through one almighty storm. Or perhaps you're in here today and you're facing a storm. There's something brewing on the horizon of your life. I don't know where life finds you today, but I do know that in this story of Paul's shipwreck, there are multiple lessons that we can learn that can help us and better equip us when we are facing uncertain times. So we're going to pick this story up in Acts 27, but the backdrop is Paul is being taken on a boat from Israel to Italy where he's going to stand trial before Caesar. But along the way, the captain of this ship and the sailors, they make some unwise decisions. How many know there are storms that hit our life, problems that hit our life, because of circumstances that are outside of our control, things that happen to us, events that work against us that we have no control over. But there are also storms that hit your life because of an unwise decision you made because of a wrong choice that you made. And so as I take you through this story where the sailors in our story made some unwise decisions, I want you to place you, I want you to place you in your situation in the context of this story and consider the problem and the storm that they are facing against the problem that may be raging against your life right now. I want you to look and observe the decisions that they made and consider the options and the choices that are in front of you at this time. I've simply called this message Anchored Right. I said to our team, I am going to be talking about shipwreck and I need an anchor. Has anybody got a picture of an anchor or an ornament of an anchor that I could use as a prop? And Courtney came up with this. Of course he did. Where do you find a real life-size actual anchor? So I cannot pick it up and show you because I can't even lift the thing. It is solid. But the truth is this. If the boat of your life, so to speak, were anchored right, though the storm may hit, though the problems come, you will not be taken out by it. Though the waves may lap against you, though the wind may howl against you, you will be secured and you will feel the effects of the storm, but you will not be taken out by it. So we're going to pick our story up in Acts 27. And we're going to start it at verse 13. It says, so they've all boarded the boat. And it says, when a gentle south breeze began to blow, they assumed they could make it, they being the sailors of the boat. So they pulled up the anchor and they sailed close to Crete. A gentle breeze began to blow. That gentle breeze was a forewarning of something much greater further out to sea. 
And being um, sailors, they should have known that. They should have taken that gentle breeze as a forewarning that there was a deeper, greater problem further out at sea. But the Bible says that they assumed they could make it. The fact that they assumed they could make it tells me they were in two minds whether to pull up the anchor, whether to go or not to. It's a little bit like those situations that we get involved in, but you think you've got control. I can make it. Yeah, I know it's not quite right, but it's all right. I know what I'm doing. You know, I only came out for one drink. And three and four drinks later, you are convinced you are still in control. It's okay. What about a little overspending? just a little bit more into my overdraft. It's just another credit card, but it's okay. I've done them. I know what I'm doing. Still in control. It's just a bit of flirting. Yeah, but you're married. Yeah, I, I, I know I'm married, but it's just a bit of flirting. Never hurt anybody. I am in control. It's okay. I know exactly what I am doing. You see, the thing with the gentle breeze, it can feel quite refreshing at first. The thing with a gentle breeze is it feels quite satisfying and the sailors pulled up the anchor because the gentle breeze, they thought they could make it through. But the thing is, the anchor was the thing that was keeping them grounded. The anchor was the thing that was stopping them from going adrift. The anchor would allow them to go so far and then it would pull them back in. You know, for me and my family, we made a decision a long time ago that Jesus would be the anchor of our life, not of our Sunday, not of our certain days. We didn't use him as an anchor only when we had a problem, but we made a decision that we were going to live our life according to what the Bible says, and that has become our anchor. So when we're making choices and when we're making decisions, if we begin to go too far in the wrong direction, there is a pulling back on our life. We know that we have, we have stepped outside of the mark, so to speak, and so anytime you pull up the anchor of your life, you're heading into worse conditions. In verse 14, it says, it wasn't long before the weather abruptly worsened and a storm of hurricane force called the Northeaster tore across the island and blew them out to sea. Because anytime you pull up your anchor, you are going to be swept into greater problems. Anchors in your life. What about you young people out there and a parent has been an anchor in your life and you've chose to ignore their advice You've chose to go against what they have been trying to help you with and secure you with. And you've pulled up your anchor because I know what I'm doing and I can do it alone. And you find yourself in a worse problems. You get swept out to sea. When we pull up our anchor, before you realize it, the debt has spiraled out of control. When you pull up your anchor, before you realize it, you're in a full-blown affair. And you will say things like, I, I, I don't know how this happened. I'm not that sort of a person. I, I never intended it to be this way. But what happened was you pulled up the anchor, all reasoning went out the window, the lie got bigger, the deceit got greater, and all of a sudden you find yourselves in deep water facing a huge storm. It says in verse 15, that the sailors weren't able to turn the ship into the wind. So they gave up and let it be driven by the gale winds. 
In other words, they could no longer control their vessel against the winds, against the storm. So they just gave up and they let themselves be carried with the storm. I just want to say that any time you decide to give up, any time you decide this is too great for me, this problem, this adversity, it's too much for me, I'm just going to give up. It looks like when you stop fighting for your marriage because it's just too much like hard work. It looks like when you stop fighting for your kids so you just put up with a broken relationship. It looks like when you stop fighting for your health and you just give in to the way things are. If this is what it looks like when we give up against the storm, your life becomes directionless. In verse 20, it goes on to say that after many days of seeing neither sun nor stars and with a violent storm continuing to rage against us, all hope of ever getting through it alive was abandoned. All hope of ever getting through it alive was abandoned. I recently heard about a boating accident that happened in March 2009 off the coast of Florida. And I think because um, I was in the middle of prepping this message, it got, I'm not normally interested in boats and boating things, but it got my attention. And I went on to the internet and went on to Fox News to have a look and read the account of the story for myself. And Fox News headlines absolutely surprised me. It says this, two NFL players gave up all hope. Four guys had gone out in a friend's fishing boat. They were in the Gulf of Mexico. Two of them were NFL players, the American football team. They were young, strong, strapping lads. Two of them and two of their friends had gone out for a fishing expedition. But what happened was they saw on the horizon, because apparently when you're out at sea, you can see the storm ahead that is brewing. They had seen the storm that was coming towards them. And so they had anchored their boat and the storm hit. But when the storm hit, the boat capsized. And it says that these two guys, football guys, 26 and 29 years old, were clinging on to the side of the boat. 21-foot-long boat. They were in the waters for four hours. We know this because there was one survivor from the accident. And they were in the waters for four hours, being beaten and beaten and beaten by the storm. It was a hurricane that had come across their path. In the freezing cold waters, being beaten by a storm. And this is what the one survivor said. One of the NFL players removed his life vest and let himself be swept out to sea. A few hours later, the other one did the same. They gave up all hope. You see, when you're in a storm, you don't know how long it's going to last for. And when you're in a storm, you can be clinging on for dear life. But these guys, they took their life vests off because they'd given up all hope. And then it went on in the article to say the reason their boat capsized was because it had been improperly anchored. I didn't even know you could improperly anchor a boat, but apparently you can improperly anchor a boat. If, you, if your life is improperly 
anchored, if you've got the anchor, the thing that grounds you and secures you, hooked into the wrong thing, you will not survive the storm when it comes against you. The habits you have, the way you speak, the company you keep, they are all indicators as to what your life is anchored to. The story goes on, our story about Paul on the boat goes on to say, fearing we would be dashed against a rocky coast, they dropped four anchors from the stern and waited for morning to come. So on our boat, our sailors in the midst of this storm, they didn't drop one, but they dropped four anchors. And then it says they waited for morning to come. They dropped their anchors and they sat there and they waited. Don't forget that previously we've just written they've gone through days of seeing neither sun nor stars. It had been black for days, but they dropped four anchors and they waited for morning to come. Four anchors waiting that daylight may come. Your circumstance will cause you to freak out. Your circumstance will cause you to lose sleep, can't eat, can't sleep, can't think straight, don't know which way to turn. It will cause you to doubt God. It will cause you to be unable to pray. It will cause you stress and it will cause you anxiety. When you have not dropped your anchors and secured your life. You see, God has equipped you for every problem that you are ever going to face. God has already equipped you. But the first thing we need to do is we need to know how to steady ourselves. Whilst the waves are lapping, whilst the howl is blowing, whilst the wind is howling, while the waves are lapping, while the problem is all around you, we need to know how to steady ourselves by dropping our anchors into something immovable. Because if you are anchored improperly, you will not survive the storms. The, the, the storms, when I was reading this article, it then got me on to reading other articles, as you do, of all sorts of fishing and boating accidents and expeditions. And they were saying how people often will anchor their boat or tie their boat to a tree on the land, or they will anchor or tie their boat to the jetty or the pier or the boardwalk. And a lot of these accidents that I was reading about took place in and around America where some of the most horrific storms would hit. But there was this old boy who had written this article. He's been fishing and doing the whole boating things for over 50 years. And he said this, the only thing you can do in a storm of hurricane proportion is to anchor that boat into an immovable rock. I think my mum liked that bit. <laughs> anchor that boat into an immovable rock. Can I just tell you what David wrote in Psalm 94? The Lord is my fortress. My God is the mighty rock where I hide. This is why we anchor our life in God because everything will change. Everything in your life, you, the relationships that you have will change. Who you are changes. The jobs you have will change. The car you drive will change. The neighbors you have will change. The kids you have will grow up and leave home. Nothing remains the same. But Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever because he is an immovable rock. Hebrews 6, 19 tells us this. This hope 
is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. What hope? This hope we have in God, it's not wishful thinking like hope in the world where I just hope it works out and I hope it goes right for me and I hope things come good. No, 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 no. That is wishful thinking. But when you hope in God, it is strong and it is steadfast and it is a sure foundation upon which you can build your life. So I don't know what you've got going on in your world today. I don't know what it is that you might need to steady your life for right now. I don't know what storm you might be facing. But I want to encourage you to anchor your life right whilst you're waiting for this situation to pass. Whilst you're waiting for your breakthrough. Whilst you're waiting for daylight to come. Anchor your life right. Maybe today in here, you're waiting to see which way that relationship's going to go. You just don't know. Anchor yourself right. Maybe you're in here today and you're awaiting test results. And you don't know which way that's going to go. Anchor your life right whilst you're waiting. Maybe in here today... Your marriage isn't in the best place and you know there's some serious conversation got to take place. Before you have the conversation with him, before you have the conversation with her, anchor your life right. Some of you have come in here today. Maybe it's your first time. Maybe you've been a regular uh, coming along to, to Liverpool One Church. You've come into this environment and you're wearing your problem like a weight around your neck. You can put a smile on your face and you can just about chat to people. But in here, it sits like a weight because you know what you're facing and you know what you're in the middle of right now. But you have already sensed in this place a stability. And you have already sensed in this place, just in the worship, a peace and a calm. Because when you are surrounded by lives that are anchored in Jesus, there is a peace that you have never known before. He stabilizes your life. And so our sailors, they dropped four anchors over the stern, of, uh, from the stern of the boat. They dropped four anchors to secure themselves. So I want to give you four anchors that you can drop down in God. I want to give you four areas of your life that if you anchor yourself right in these four areas, you can have a confidence whilst waiting on God for your storm to pass. And so the first one is the anchor of right motive. The anchor of right motive. James 4 tells us this. What is causing the quarrels and the fights amongst you? Don't they come from your evil desires that war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme to kill and get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. And so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you don't, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Oh, there's strong words. But is that not us, the human race? We all want for our own personal gain. We all want what we can benefit from. 
You know, God does not cause storms in your life, but we can cause storms in our own life. Wrong choices, wrong decisions, and wrong motives will lead you down wrong pathways. We need to constantly check our motives. You know, when my son is foolish, maybe he will tell me a lie around his homework, or maybe he will be cheeky at the dinner table. He finds himself on a PlayStation ban, and that is the worst thing for him in the whole wide world. And when he finds himself on a PlayStation ban, he then very quickly starts telling me how much he loves me. All of a sudden, he's unloading the dishwasher. All of a sudden, he's like trying to be the best child on the planet. But I have got him all figured out. His motive is wrong. I'd love to think he's doing all this just because he loves me. And I have put this to the test and I have done, thank you so much for emptying the dishwasher. But you are still on a PlayStation ban. And of course, then we're back to square one with our cheeky little monkey. But the problem is his motive for doing what he's doing is all wrong. It's because he wants his PS4 back. And all too often, we are busy asking God for things for our lives but our motive is wrong. God, I really need a pay rise. Lord, I could just give so much more to your house if I had a pay rise, God. I'd just do so much more for you with that money. But you've got your eye on a car. And God knows your motives. You know, God, I'll do anything for you. Trust me, I have walked with people who have been on their hands and knees, prayed for God to give them a baby, and then you never see them in the house of God again. People that go all out for God, I'll do anything, I'll be a missionary, whatever you want me to do, God, just, just bless me, just give me this one thing. And then you never see them in the church again. We choose who we want to be friends with according to what they can give us. We choose our friends according to how they're going to benefit our lives. I could assure you that if somebody started to attend this church who had a private viewing box at Anfield Stadium, my husband would be their friend. But his motive would be completely wrong. Then we'd all be up the swanee because he's the pastor of the place. And so anyway, we have wrong motives. Wrong motives will improperly anchor your life and you're sure to capsize. Steady yourself. Check your motives. The second anchor that we need to be dropping down is the anchor of right influence. Who do you go to for advice? Who do you spend time with and who do you have speaking into your world is the anchor of influence in your life a stable one. Psalm 92 tells us that planted in the house of God, your life will flourish. Planted. And I love that. It simply means those who choose to stick, stay in the house of God. Not when you pop into church and out of church when you feel like it, you are free to do that. But there is a promise of a flourishing on your life good things and blessings on your life. When you plant, 
when you come to church when you feel like it and you come to church when you don't feel like it. When you choose to get involved even though it means giving some extra time. When you choose to stay even when it's going the way you want it to and you choose to stay even when it's not going the way you want want it to. You plant yourself in the house of God and it brings a flourishing on your life. And one of the reasons it brings a flourishing on your life is because of the people that you surround yourself with. We are not perfect. Behind every face in this place, there is a different story and a different life. And we are many different personalities and many different types of people. But in this place, you will find people who edify you, build you up, encourage you, and set you strong for the race ahead of you. You will find those that will pick you up when you are down and you will find those that cheer you on in your race. You will be surrounded by good people because the Bible tells us that iron sharpens iron. When two iron blades are rubbed together, there's friction and a spark is created and they become a a, a real strong force between them. But there are too many iron blades trying to sharpen themselves against wood. And you wonder, why is my prayers not getting answered? Why do I feel down all the time? Stop going to that friend who is negative all the time for advice. Now listen, I'm not saying stop being their friend, but you need to be smart in who you're going to for your counsel and you need to be smart with who you're going to for advice and who you're having your conversation with. Don't allow other people to put their toxicity inside of you, their gossip, their negative conversation, their opinions, their influence, people who only ever talk about how bad their marriage is, People who only ever tell you about their pain and their problem, who tell you where they failed and they're pretty sure where you're going to fail too. People who say, you know, because your dad had it and your uncle had it, you're going to have it too. Those kind of people, you come away from their conversation and you're filled with doubt and worry and fear and you wonder why you can't steady yourself when the storm hits. You wonder Watch who you talk to. Be careful who you listen to. Don't anchor yourself in conversations of gossip and negativity and bitterness. Who you let influence yourself during your storm will have an effect on you when the problems of life hit. Watch your conversation Watch your confession because your life is going to go in the direction that your mouth takes it. So put your anchor down in the place of right counsel. The third anchor that we can put down in God is the anchor of specific prayer. I love this. I don't know what your prayer life looks like. Don't know what your prayer life sounds like. Maybe you are the one who says the same repetitive prayer at bed every night. I recently had to break that cycle with my youngest son because he just got into the rut of praying the same thing every single night. But I think as adults, we can do the same. Maybe you're only used to praying out of a hymn book or a prayer book and doing it in a religious or routine-based fashion. But let me tell you what prayer is. Prayer is your conversation with God, your Father. It is your conversation. And God wants you to come to him with a confidence and 
ask him for what you want. You know when you ask a child what they want for Christmas and the list is endless. God says, that's the way I want you to come to me with a confidence that you're my child and I love you and I'm God, your father. So come and specifically ask of me what it is that you want. He's not interested in repetitive religious words. He doesn't care too much for routine, but he loves it when you get specific with him. You know, There's nothing more frustrating than when I say to my family, what do you want for tea? Oh, don't know. Don't know, whatever. Not bothered. I'm like, I'm standing there like a good parent. I'm prepared to cook you anything. Just ask. Oh, I don't know. So I go to the freezer and I go to the fridge and I find the food and I make them a meal and I put it on the table and they go, ooh. Didn't want that. Don't fancy that. Oh, don't like that. Well, why didn't you ask me what you wanted? Why didn't you ask for what you wanted if you could have just articulated and told me what it was you wanted? I would have given it to you. If you'd have asked for a boiled egg, I would have boiled you an egg. But if you'd asked for a roast dinner with pigs and blanket and all the trimmings, I would have given it you because I can. Do you get the picture? God says, come to me and ask. Get specific with me. There's nothing too big and nothing too foolish that you can't go to your Father and God with. Anchor your prayer life. Tell him, I want a husband. Don't be embarrassed about what you want to go to God and ask for seriously. God, I want a baby. I'm desperate for a child. Tell him, I want a job. God, this is me. I need a job. God wants to answer what it is you want to ask. But if you cannot articulate it, you can't be disappointed when you don't get what you never asked for in the first place. You can't be disappointed with the way things turn out if you haven't been able to ask. Jesus went about the earth performing miracles He went and walked around the earth and he asked people all of the time, what is it you want? He'd go up to lame people, obviously were lame. What is it you want? Lepers would come to him holding their nose in their hand and Jesus would say, well, what do you want? Isn't it obvious? Blind people who've walked into three trees and half a dozen people just trying to get to Jesus and he'd say, what do you want? And I think the disciples must have been like, oh, this is so embarrassing. He's blind, Jesus. He wants his sight. Is it not obvious what he wants? But you see, Jesus wasn't asking the question because he didn't know the answer. Jesus was asking the question because the power of the miracle was in the ask. Come on, you ask. Ask him and tell him what you need. Don't let your friends do the asking. Don't let the prayer team be the sole source of your connection with God. Articulate what you want and he will meet all your needs. Luke 11 says, here's what I'm saying. Ask and you will get. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. Don't bargain with God, but be direct and ask for what you need. This is not a cat and mouse hide and seek game we're in. If your little boy asks you for a serving of fish, do you scare him with a live snake on his plate? Or if your little girl asks for an egg, would you trick her with a spider? As bad as you are, you wouldn't think of doing such a thing. You're at least decent to your own children. Don't you think 
the Father who conceived you in love will give you the Holy Spirit when you ask. When you are in your storm, you need to get specific with God. Lord, I do not want to be consumed by fear anymore. God, I've had this backache for so long. I need it. Gone. Some of you, you're more specific when you're ordering off Amazon than you are when you're talking to God. At least when you put your Amazon order in, you have to say what size you want, what color you want, when you want. Get specific with him. I want healing. Oh, really? Where? What's going on? Talk to me about it. Sort my husband out. Well, let's look at you first. What's going on in your... Talk to him. Talk to him about what you, how you feel. Talk to him about what you want out of your life. Articulate. The last and fourth anchor is the anchor of intentionality. Put an anchor of hope down and be intentional about coming through your storm. I've been through storms in my life. 2015, 2016, a huge storm hit my world. And I was diagnosed with a lymphoma in my stomach. And I very soon learned I had to get intentional on coming out of this storm. I had to do what I could do to get, I was like, I am coming through this storm. I would find my scriptures, I would read them out. I did everything the medical profession told me to. You know, you need to get around and speak to other people who've been through what you're in right now because their confession and their stories of victory and survival and restoration, they will build hope into your life. There's a story in the Bible of a woman who was bleeding for 12 years. So much in this one story, but she was ceremonial unclean, which meant she had to be shut away in a house 12 years. The Bible said she'd used all of her money on going to see doctors and physicians and no one could help her, heal her or cure her. 12 years she was kept out of the public. 12 years of not meeting and having contact, no dinner parties, no friends, nothing. 12 years shut away in this misery. But one day she heard that Jesus was in her town and I think she'd already put her anchor of hope down in Jesus because there was something in that woman that knew as soon as he was in town, if I can just get to Jesus, I know that I'm gonna be made well. And so that woman got up out of her comfort zone and she crawled on her hands and her knees and she pushed through the crowd. She pushed through people who would have probably spat on her, the naysayers and the critics. She pushed in her, she pushed through her pain. She was intentional. I am getting to Jesus. I am getting healed today. She was intentional. And as she pushed through the crowd, she just about managed to put her finger on the edge of his coat. And when she did, he stopped. And he turned around and said, who touched me? And the disciples, you can read it, they were almost laughing at him. They were like, Jesus, there's a mob surrounding you. We are getting pushed from side to side. Everyone is touching you. He said, no, 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 someone touched me intentionally and just got healed. Someone touched me intentionally. I want to say to you tonight, your intentionality grabs the attention of Jesus. 
your intentionality grabs the attention of Jesus. So many people want God to do his thing without them doing anything, but your intentionality to push through will grab God's attention. If you wanna lose weight, you have to be intentional about what you're putting in your mouth. You can't mull your way through the kitchen cupboard and then complain about the weight that you are. You have to be intentional. Yet all too often, we listen to gossip. We fill our minds with negativity. We let others put their opinions on. We watch things we shouldn't watch. We say things we shouldn't say. We go through the day without giving God a second thought. And then we wonder, why does he feel so far away when the problems hit my world? Be intentional on coming to church. If you just drift in and you just drift out of church, then you will have a church experience But if you come with intention, you know what? I'm going to church today and I am going to meet with God. Do you know what? I need prayer in my life. I'm intentionally going to make my way up onto the mess after church and ask some people to pray with me. I'm going to come to church today and I'm going to speak to someone I've never spoken to before. I am intentional on coming to the house of God. Would you stand with me, church?